activating virus defenses. Prepare to download. Welcome. Hello, this is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And I'm Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. And you're listening to the official podcast for the 25th Annual FIRST Conference, held June 16th through 21st in Bangkok, Thailand. For more information about FIRST, please visit www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. This time on the show, I'm talking to Dave Jones and Gavin Reed from Cisco. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for now, you're going to be uh, talking at the upcoming conference in Bangkok about securing Windows, mitigating Windows vulnerabilities from targeted threats. Can you give us a, a quick overview of what that is? It's a, it's a very broad topic, so it's, it's specifically interesting for people as to what specifically you're going to be discussing during your talk. Over the last uh, year, we've been studying some of the, the exploit known as pass the hash and other things that have been used by targeted attacks to use Windows computers as, you know, re remote access like a VPN and establishing bird's head. So in this talk, we're going to talk about some of the mitigations we've gone through to specifically mitigate pass the hash, as well as other things we've done, such as, you know, patching systems, other best practices, and the detection. So things that we've done, like how we found this type of thing happening and, and things like that with the idea of helping, you know, other companies who have maybe have seen the same thing so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Now, quite a lot of companies have been struggling with this for, for a long time, and it doesn't seem that Microsoft have really provided many easy point-and-click options to, to make things secure. Is it really that hard to secure Windows systems against these kind of attacks? Uh, it is not an obvious solution. So we'll go into it. Um, but there's some mechanisms inside the Windows operating system itself that can be leveraged, but it, it does require some thought and uh, and planning. And one of the things we're going to talk about is what we had to go through to put a team together. And whenever you need to put a team together, you have issues like you need support of senior management. So because the people weren't sitting around waiting to work on this project. So that's uh, the other kind of stuff we're going to talk about is how how you put together a project like this and then go out and get this stuff done. Because it, it, it was uh, it did require uh, five core people and, and 10 people from extended teams to, to put all this kind of stuff in place. Yeah, and just to, to add to what Dave said there, I mean, let's be frank. When we were designing the Windows infrastructure for, you know, for our company, we were designing it with the idea of connectivity, of being able to take disparate parts of the company and get them working together collaboratively on projects. We weren't setting up bastion hosts expecting attacks from the inside to be, to be prevalent. So there had to be both a mind shift um, a change in, in our approach as well as our architecture. And, and most companies uh, were similar. We had this uh, concept back when we were originally doing this that you know, inside of our network, we were only going to have good guys and people that were uh, you know, supportive of, of the mission of the company and we wouldn't have to protect the systems or arm them as we've had to do recently. It's an issue really getting people's interest in this kind of topic because it's, it's not a sexy topic. It's not a brand new device. It's not an amazing new antivirus or a new uh, anti-malware program. It's, it's going back to the basics, really looking at how the fundamentals of your network work and really changing how things are configured. And it's, it doesn't have that kind of interest for, for the more technical people. Yeah, you've hit yeah, the nail on the head. What we're, what we're talking about is good best practices 
and and going back and and uh, fixing things that that maybe aren't too exciting and and don't necessarily give you a whole bunch of additional functionality that you can talk about, but actually sort of fill in areas that you may have shortchanged in the past. We had considered the Windows infrastructure Active Directory settled. I mean, we hadn't made any changes to it for, you know, 10 plus years. So it had really fallen off the radar. Um, It really was not a sexy new capability type project to go back and, you know, retrofit um, that, you know, that kind of infrastructure debt, as we, we call it. Are Microsoft moving in the right direction with how they're, they're, they're using AD and how they're using their operating system? Or is it still suffering from the same legacy problems as Windows 95 was? Microsoft is definitely making the technology better for security. If you just look back on it, the goals of Windows XP was not security. The goal was to have one kernel, the same kernel running on the server as well as the client. And so they wanted to make sure that client experience was good. So since in subsequent releases, they've made changes like changing defaults and other things, you know, going from Vista to Windows 7 to, to Windows 8, and they really are improving it. Um, in this particular case, the, the, the recurring theme of our mitigation is administration or administrator credentials. It, it's been very common in companies, and this, this is not Microsoft's fault. If you want to give a sysadmin rights to get his job done, it's just been a common practice throughout the Fortune 500 to give them excessive rights. I call it a collateral access. So a big part of this project was to go back and take those basic security principles we have been talking about for years, you know, layers of security and uh, segmentation of duties. So a big part of this was going back and looking at accounts used by applications or by administrators and seeing what they really need to have the rights to do going back and then making those things happen. So, yeah, and those are the kind of things, like like I said, not Microsoft's fault because our IT staffs, and I, when I say our, I mean like the Fortune 500 IT staffs or small and medium businesses have made the, the decision to, like I said, give excessive amounts of rights to administrators as well as normal people. And then, hey, just to add on to that, Dave, and to, to put in a bit of a plug for the lecture, what we're going to talk about, in particular what Dave's going to talk about, is there, there are literally thousands or tens of thousands of different things you can do to harden a, a Windows Active Directory environment. We're going to talk about the specific ones that we iterated over and chose to, to stop what really is the current hack of the day in, in large enterprises that uh, have been targeted with phishing campaigns where uh, they gain a foothold and then use uh, stolen credentials to, to drill further into the organization. And so you get to leverage the experience of, of folks like Dave and, and the people on this team. And, and as they've gone through all of the different things that they potentially could do and then chose the ones that we thought really had the most bang for the buck. And, and, and so that's why I think it's particularly interesting. Yeah, we, we really did have an aha moment where, uh, as Gavin said, all the things we could do and we were bouncing ideas around. And it, it, I was talking to uh, some peers of mine at other companies, and the aha moment came out with that, doing that there, it, this administrator hygiene, I, as I call it in theme, is the biggest bang for your buck. The kind of stuff that we can get done in weeks, as opposed to if you want to go upgrade 10,000 uh, Windows XP boxes to Windows 7, that's not something you can do in two to three weeks, but it wasn't as important to do as the, the administrator hygiene pieces. So prioritization, really hitting, getting that prioritization down was really key to us in making some um, changes quick. 
some of the reasoning behind um, why I've seen large organizations not kind of accepting that they need to make changes in Active Directory, need to make changes in the way their, their administrators work, is that they just can't take their systems offline for three days while people reconfigure them and they can't, they don't have an, an entire Active Directory test environment to say, we can test it here and if it works, then we'll roll it out. Things that have come from Microsoft, for example, the, the, there was a, a white paper that was released last year on, on how to mitigate some past the hash attack kind of stuff. And some of the things that I was suggesting was really interesting, like disabling uh, NTLM completely and using Kerberos. But they're also, at the same time, very unrealistic for, for current organizations. How realistic are the options that, that you've looked at and, and how easy are they for existing companies to implement it within their own infrastructure? We had some of the same problems, right? We have a, a really great dev environment and we tested it. And when we pushed it into production, we, uh, we saw some problems. So there was a, a number of escalations on things that we had to do that we did have to take you know, some, some impact. Uh, and then there were, were some things that we learned we shouldn't do. And that's exactly why this talk is interesting, because we're not talking theoretically about what you know, one might do. We're talking about what we actually did. Yeah, and two things on that. First of all, the question about just moving forward to turn off NTLM and only using Kerberos. That, that's a lot of work. To, to, you, you just have to, because you have to look at all those different kinds of things that could still be using it. We're getting to a point now after our migrations where we could look at doing something like that, but that wasn't the highest priority. And I say that because you can still steal a Kerberos hash. Yeah, there's a, it's only good for so many period of time, but you can steal that as well. So the, the, the simple technology that we use is Microsoft has the concept of, of group policy objects. So I'm going to spend some time going, we use group policy objects to segment where administrators could log into, like, for instance, it's more likely that desktops that surf the internet and receive email are infected than, than servers. So the group policy objects we used were to control how and where an administrator can log in, including things like require uh, administrators to use dual factor authentication and, and some other things we learned about that. For instance, Dual factor was what we thought in the beginning was going to solve this problem. But what we realized was when you authenticate to Windows box interactively, there your hash credentials created. And it doesn't matter if it used a password to authenticate or a smart card. If that box is compromised, they have that hash and they can use that to connect other boxes without your smart card. So Group policy objects, dual factor, and tying in other administrative things was was really the what became the priority for us. And these they weren't it wasn't obvious like I was saying until we, we really dove into it. Well, it's it's very interesting, specifically the the smart card stuff because I know a lot of people have been touting smart card and and other two factor authentications as as the holy grail. This is the solution. Once you implement this, you won't have any more problems at all. It's very interesting to hear that that it's not really going to help with this specific problem. It it does help. It just doesn't, it's not the complete solution. What it does help with is the newer versions of the, the tools, like a, like a WCE, when you log in interactively with the password onto a box, they don't just get your hash. They could actually get your clear text password. So the smart card does admit it. So if they have your clear text password and you're not set required smart card, they can just use that to log in directly to boxes that are even hardened. So the smart card does help. It's just not the complete solution. Yeah, and, and I'll add it in there that it, it like all of the things that we're going to discuss, it reduces the risk footprint, uh, you know, a, a portion, right? But by itself, uh, you know, you can still get attacked and, and there is still, you know, reusability of some of the credential material. So 
it's it's got to be uh, in sort of concord with uh, running other uh, security hardenings. And, and uh, there, there was a number of ones that we did, and we're going to kind of go through those and provide material uh, for the folks to take home with them. The, and, and, and will they be able to take it and replay it exactly in their network like we did? No, but I think it'll be super interesting as a sort of start, if they haven't done this work, to be able to sort of say, okay, well, here's what one company did. Here's how they prioritized, and, and here's the impact to it. Uh, it doesn't mean that Windows Active Directory will be secure forever if you do these things. Absolutely not. We were really drilled into what's been the sort of hack hack of the you know last couple of years, and and honestly, people are going to move and they're going to try more complex things, and we'll, and we'll have to adapt to that as well. So it's very much a case of, of forcing the attackers to to up their game, make sure that uh, that you're not giving them a, an easy route to migrate from system to system. You're making it hard on them. And then obviously the harder it is for them, the more likely it is you're going to be able to detect any kind of, uh, any kind of attack on your systems. Exactly. Bring that up uh, because in doing this, we did a analysis of all of our systems, not just the windows infrastructure. Cause the question came up, what if we close all the, the windows? What if we close all the windows holes? What, what would they go after next? So some other things that we're going to talk about is, the preparation for the next kind of attack. Like how do we protect Cisco networking gear that doesn't do dual factor? How do we protect Linux boxes and things like that? It's something that I think a lot of people need to spend more time thinking about, going back to the basics. You can't build on a bad foundation. And I think a lot of companies out there have legacy foundations that aren't really up to supporting the rest of their infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely true. Great. Well, uh, I think we've uh, we've covered most stuff, and I'm really looking forward to the talk specifically about how uh, how you guys have solved the problems. And uh, I hope to see the presentation in uh, in Bangkok. Excellent. Thanks for uh, inviting us to to chat about it. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 25th annual first conference in Bangkok, Thailand. I hope to see you in Bangkok, folks. <laughs>